0: I'm Dick Summer, and it's time to say goodnight. This is a quiet place to rest your head. A safe place to hide a hurting heart. A gentle place to fall. We just call this place goodnight. It's fedora time. A fedora slips a hint of Indiana Jones into the way a Louie Louie lad walks. It bespeaks a bit of Bogart. Tom Landry of the Dallas Cowboys and their cheerleaders comes to mind. Michael Jackson tilted his fedora with that one gloved hand and then he moonwalked in his. A fedora turns a nice, ordinary, Louie Louie generation guy into a smooth, suave, sophisticated, one-man gland. (laughs) We slide on a fedora and carefully tilt it over one eye. We, we really do. We try to resist the temptation to look in the mirror and close one eye slowly and make a, a gentle kind of a, a pout with the lips as if we're saying, why not change into something more comfortable, sweetheart? <laughs> we, we do. We, we try to resist that temptation. But sometimes we're unsuccessful. And when that happens, I have seen strong women who are otherwise pictures of health and have nice frames, too hiding their lovely faces behind their lacy handkerchiefs. And I like to think that's so we won't notice that they're suffering such puffs of passion that their makeup is melting. My lady wonder wench has suggested that there may be other reasons they're hiding their faces from us. And she has even hinted that there may be some facial expression of amusement involved. But I'm going with a passion here, all right? Hats change the way you feel about yourself. And that affects how other people feel about you. Think about it. How safe would you feel if you went to an airport and all the pilots were walking around wearing crash helmets? You wouldn't like that, right? how infallible would the pope look if he were standing there on the balcony at st peter's wearing a derby huh what message would it send to our allies if the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff gave a news conference wearing a sweat-stained bandana <laughs> on the other hand my friend charles wears a fedora on his television commercials and it makes him look so suave and sophisticated that some people can't believe he's a lawyer That's what I mean, fedora fever. You know, a hat is much more than just some kind of headgear. Lots of times, if you notice, when a comedian wants to change to a different character on stage, he'll kind of duck around and put on a different hat. Of course, you want to be careful how much of a character change you want to have when you put on a hat, you know? Because fedora fever can cost you big bucks in places like Manhattan. The fedora itself only goes for about $50, but it makes you very sexy. And that can be expensive in Manhattan, believe me. Baseball caps are unique. They aren't even called hats. They're caps. A friendly, happy, summertime kind of word, cap. Baseball caps paint a very accurate picture, though, about the guys who wear them. Louie Louie lads wear them peak front, and we take them off in restaurants, especially in the company of our ladies. That says we're gentlemen. Pimple people guys wear them backwards or even sideways, and they probably don't even take them off in the shower. That says they're jerks. Now, the opposite of a baseball cap is the Humberg. I think wearing a Humberg probably says that you just haven't noticed that you died in the 1920s. I actually tried on a beanie one with a propeller on top once. It was a weird feeling. It made me start thinking strange things like, if 50 rabbits all lined up and on cue they took one step backward, would you have a receding hairline? <laughs> Sorry about that. And I really, I did start thinking of new definitions for some words. For example, my friend Susan runs the post office down the block. Susan is a very happy, positive person. She is the exact opposite of the kind of disgruntled post office employee who is always causing trouble by shooting people. So if she is the opposite of disgruntled, does that mean Susan is gruntled? You would think so. And how about the word the politicians and the divorce lawyers are always slinging around, the word dependent? Now, wearing that beanie with a propeller made it seem perfectly logical that the word dependent could refer to an adult diaper worn around the neck as a fashion accessory, as in, hey, look at dependent she's wearing. And I started wondering if Charles Dickens had written the Pasta Cookbook. Would he have called it The Tale of Two Ziti's? I don't know. (laughs) But I think I'm safe for wearing my fedora. Dick's Details Bunch of totally unimportant stuff for you to stuff in one ear so you can squeeze the important stuff that's keeping you awake at night out the other ear and you can nod off comfortably to sleep. The experts tell us that smartphones have almost completely destroyed the communication between teenagers and parents. I say good because there has always been a slight risk that if parents and teenagers ever started really communicating with each other they might find out what they actually think about each other. Oh boy. I actually heard a politician from Texas say something to the effect that the oil companies are suffering right now. Oh, and he's so right. The poor guys. You know, their, their, their banks are closed on weekends. What will they do? <laughs> and speaking of politicians... I think the elections have finally overcome that famous voter apathy that you're always hearing about. The politicians have replaced voter apathy with voter hatred, (laughs) deep and abiding. And our little Cecilia was watching The Wizard of Oz the other night, and I couldn't help but think that if I followed the yellow brick road, I'd probably land up in the men's room. And by the way, last time I was in a men's room, there was this sign that said, Employees must wash hands. And I was in that kind of mood. I was tempted to stand there just waiting to see if some employee would come in to wash my hands, but they didn't. Dexter to tails, they take your mind off your mind. <laughs> little housekeeping here. If you like these podcasts or my spoken word story CDs at DickSummer.com or my book, Staying Happy, Healthy, and Hot, available at Amazon.com, shameless plug, if you like him would you please tell a couple of friends cuz they might like him too and of course you would be doing me a favor so thank you very much one of the things that i like best about the chief fedora fever fella indiana jones is that he's he's really a regular guy you know he's not a superhero who can leap tall buildings with a single bound But he's smart. You know, you get the idea that maybe he could figure a way to get to the other side of the building, some other way instead of jumping over it, like maybe using the doors on the first floor. Ooh. And when you put on a fedora, you get kind of an Indiana Jonesy feeling. You start reaching around for your bullwhip, you know, and you're not thinking about it. Now, if Indy were a professional athlete, he would be a baseball player because he's not... Seven foot eight, you know, so he could be like a point guard or a four hundred pound linebacker. He gives you the feeling that maybe you could really do some of the stuff that he does, and that's why the headgear of choice of so many Louis Louis guys is the Indy fedora. Gives you fedora fever. Indy's a nice guy with a funny little smile and a great hat, you know, but there is a touch of danger about him too. That's a bullwhip in his hands not a can of ready Whip. Women like that, a little hint of hot. There's a story about a guy like that in the Night Connections 2 personal audio CD. It's called The Headhunter's Woman. A good headhunter is a genuinely dangerous guy. He's deadly. He's a street fighter. And that's you. You find jobs for high-powered executives. You're good at it. Maybe the best. You love it. You love the excitement. You love the challenge. You love the money. The money and the toys. Those are the headhunter's trophies. Condo on the beach. A personal jet. Garage full of fancy automobiles. But you're also a nice guy so you were glad to introduce a friend of yours to exactly the right person to fill an important opening in his company. You didn't take a fee for that one. You made it a birthday present to him. And she was a perfect fit, right from the first day. Smart, driven, well-connected. She was so perfect, and they worked so well together, as a matter of fact, that they fell in love. That happens. But it made a problem for you and for your wife, because you and your wife have known your friend and his wife since you double-dated in college. When he told you what was happening, you were very glad that he was so obviously happy. might have been just a little jealous of the passion that his new mistress brought to his life. And for some reason, you couldn't help feel sorry for his wife as she watched 15 years of marriage melt away in their amazing lust. That surprised you because you never really liked his wife. Maybe she was a little bit too much like you. Headstrong, clever, a little bit ruthless. She had an annoying habit of blowing loose strands of hair out of her eyes with a quick jet of breath. She did that because she didn't have time to do it with her hands. They were always busy doing something else. On a summer night that started out innocently enough... You and your wife invited her to dinner at your beach house. They were friends. You felt a little bit out of place. After all, you were the one who introduced her husband to the woman who became his mistress. So after dinner, you decided to leave the women to talk things over. And you went for a walk by the ocean. It was a soft summer night. The tide was out and there was an almost full moon. You built a bonfire. You kicked off your shoes and you lay down and just stretched out on the sand. It was the first time in a long time that you just let go. You started thinking about your own marriage. It was mostly okay, except for the affair that your wife had for about six months with her boss. You almost lost her. But when he tried to get her to leave you, she told you about it instead. Naturally, you were angry because she had slept with another man. But you are also relieved because she told you about it. You were kind of proud because she chose you over him. You both decided to be intelligent about it, to use your heads to put things back together again. But it never completely worked out. Things were always just a little off-center ever since then like a day that starts out in a strange town with the wrong radio station on your clock alarm. You knew she was there before you saw her. You could feel her watching you as she walked toward you carrying her high-heeled shoes and swinging her hips in that smooth, confident way that you found almost insulting. She said, your wife has gone to bed and I wanted to thank you for dinner and your hospitality before I go. The ocean breeze was playing in her long, soft, loose-fitting, simple dark blue dress, lifting it in quick little puffs, silhouetting quick glimpses of her body's slopes and curves against the firelight. She was smiling that irritating smile of hers, had startlingly white teeth, and soft, muscular lips that obviously had a challenge about them. But the biggest challenge was in her eyes—was almost an animal challenge—and it, it bothered you. That self-confident boldness in her eyes. And then the firelight did a curious thing. It caught. ...in her eyes for just a moment. A hurt, frightened little girl... ...inside that proud, angry, self-disciplined woman. And when that happened... ...suddenly your hunter's instincts kicked in... ...and everything went into a kind of a slow motion. All of your senses magnified the things around you... ...and you caught a trace of her perfume in the ocean air... ...and the sand became satin-soft the ocean was a rumble somewhere in the dark and her voice was making small half words only fingertips away her skin looked cool but her eyes were warm and shining in the firelight and moist around the edges as if she were sweating inside you're a bright guy you're headstrong you're ruthless you're a dangerous hunter and you understand this deadly game It could cost you your home, your marriage, all the things you love, all the trophies of an entire lifetime's hunting. But her lips were soft and muscular in the summer night. And her eyes flashed an animal challenge in the firelight. And most important, a hurt little girl looked up from your arms and smiled. end. The heart is still the deadliest hunter of them all. idea if she planned that or not, slipping out of her high heels and tracking him down by the light and the heat of that beach fire. I don't think she planned it. I think something just kind of exploded in her that night, something she couldn't handle. I don't know if it was anger or lust. Maybe it was something even more powerful than that, the terrible need for a touch that only a lonely, lost, hurt little girl can feel. That's the Headhunter's Woman. It's from the Night Connections 2 personal audio CD. If you like it, you can just keep this podcast. Or if you want a fresh copy, just go back to DickSummer.com, download it from the Night Connections 2 icon there on the home page. I think I should pump a little more fedora fever into my personality. You know, my head has never let me say hot things like, why don't you slip into something more comfortable, sweetheart? <laughs> I can do the first part, you know, but the sweetheart... Always seems to come out silly when I say it. Bogart pronounced it sweetheart. But for some reason it sounded okay coming out of him. I don't understand that. Another word my head has never been able to use with with a woman is baby, as in here I am, now what are your other two wishes, baby? <laughs> that word always sounds so delightfully sleazy in that context. I kinda doubt that wearing my Fedora will ever raise the fever of my favorite female to Harrison Ford levels, but Bogart, I don't know, Bogart might be within reach. What do you think? Here's looking at you, sweetheart. Baby. What do you think? Richard. Good night.